Nine-year-old boy forced to live in a dog kennel for several months in freezing temperatures. Boy's parents arrested. Three people in North Carolina have been booked for forcing their child to live in the dog kennel for months. The people, the victims, father and stepmother, Jonathan and Sarah Starr, were booked after Davidson County officers discovered the young child padlocked inside the cage just before 7 a.m. October 19th. When temperatures were at 28 degrees, Sheriff Richie Simmons held the following press conference. Being here today, I'm Sheriff Richie Simmons, Sheriff of Davidson County, along with uh, several of my CID uh, investigative team. Uh, we wanted to talk to you and got so many calls about it once we released, but but on a uh, very uh, substantial call we took yesterday, we wanted to Wanted to let you know and, and pass a message on as well. But uh, yesterday, being uh, October 19th, approximately 6.56 a.m., we received a call for a welfare check of, uh, of kids um, in the central part of our county. Our deputies responded and arrived on scene at 7.01 a.m. Uh, when we arrived on scene, we, uh, we made entry and to a, to a uh, location that uh, our deputies, we felt like exigent circumstances to go over a fence to go after and look, and we found actually found a nine-year-old child within a dog lot that was on the premises outside and away from the home of this residence. Uh, we were able to breach the combination lock and, and the fence retrieved this child, uh, the temperature at the time was about 28 degrees. Uh, we found out that this child had been out there all night. Um, we were able to, at that time, call for EMS uh, to respond. And, uh, or I'm sorry, I said we arrived at 701. We were dispatched at 701. We arrived Shelly Barnes, the victim's aunt, was also arrested. The boy was left with food and clothes to sustain, but still not enough to keep the child warm in that kind of temperatures. Sarah was charged with 11 counts, including negligence and child abuse. Jonathan was also charged with multiple counts of negligence and child abuse. Their bond was set at a million dollars each, and Barnes was charged with five counts, including assault on a child and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Her bond was set at 300000 The three are booked under the mentioned charges the boy's father jonathan Starr, is charged with two counts of felony negligent child abuse inflicting serious mental and emotional injury and felony child abuse inflicting inflicting serious physical injury listening to midnight radio i'm your host jerry adams welcome again who am i what am i doing what are we doing here at all let me tell you i am a writer i'm an investigative writer and i also am a documentarian i produce documentaries and i go over these stories myself every day because i'm looking for the right thing to investigate farther there has to be something missing something it has to be a very unique story that just grabs my interest. So I cycle through all these every day with you right here. We're doing it live on midnightradio.com. 
www.midnightrad.io. I said .com. It's .io. www.midnightrad.io. So I go over these stories with you every day. You can call in if you want to talk to it. Talk about these stories with me. The phone number is 325-261-0892. You can leave me up to three-minute voicemail message. I'll get back to you, and I will play that on the show. That is 325-261-0892. So that is what we're doing here. That's why I go over these stories. Now, this particular story about this nine-year-old child being locked outside in extreme conditions, and I'm sure he's had worse done to him before. The thing I was thinking about about this issue before, and 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 in some of my writing that is in a book I'm writing coming up, there is these children that go through these these extreme abuse cases day to day. There's parents that there's a parent in Germany that we went over the day before yesterday. They locked her little girl up and she was about what was it, eight years old and she'd never been outside. She was locked up in a little house. She might have been old she might have been in the double digits. But it affected her greatly. These kids don't know any other way of life. This is all they've ever known. That is what is hard to imagine. I mean, you go to the point where it's hard for me to imagine somebody doing that to a child, but it's the next level. I can't imagine being a child and never knowing anything different. Our next story here is also very, very chilling. A shocking set of allegations against Houston Energy and Natural Resource Attorney Mason Herring made by his wife. The couple had separated earlier this year after 11 years of marriage, according to the prosecutor. Herring was not happy with the news that his wife was pregnant with their child back in March, and that's when it began, according to prosecutors. The first time, within 30 minutes of drinking water, Herring brought to her in bed, she became very ill and went to the emergency room. The complainant drank out of the cup and stopped to take a breath. She noticed the water appeared to be cloudy. She questioned the defendant about this. He stated perhaps the cup was dirty or the pipes were dirty. At least six times over the course of just over a month, the woman says her husband brought her drinks that he encouraged her to drink. She didn't, instead keeping them as evidence. The complainant stated that the defendant gave her a bottle of orange juice and she observed that the seal on the bottle was broken. Surveillance cameras inside their home caught Herring putting a powdered substance from a bag in his pocket into a drink that he gave her, according to the prosecutor. She also found opened blister packs that contained Cyrex, the Mexican pharmaceutical that contains the drug misoprostol, in their trash. He observed the defendant cleaned out his truck and took the trash out to the curb. She stated this was out of character for the defendant as he does not do chores around the house. When the defendant left, the complainant went to the trash can to see what was inside. Herring is now charged with assault of a pregnant person and assault forced induction to have an abortion. He's out on a $30,000 bond. His attorney says they're looking forward to defending against these allegations in court. The baby survived and was born slightly premature, but officials say the child is healthy and doing well. I'm glad there's good news. The baby is doing healthy and well. $30,000 bond. Why do I feel that if you and I did something like that, it'd be a million dollars and we'd never get out on bond. But if an attorney does it, 30000 But I'm sure this is the worst thing he's ever done. Now, this is a story from Texas, which is important because there's different outcomes depending on what state you are. If he was in a state that 
doesn't believe a child is a child until it's outside of the womb, then he can't be charged for murder, murdering a child, can he? This is an interesting case we're going to continue to cover. It's horrific. I'm glad that the child is well. And you know what? I'm very impressed with the woman in this case. And uh, I think we should all take a lesson from her. If there's something that you feel is wrong, your, your sense in your mind, what do they call it? Your intuition. If you feel like there's something wrong, you investigate that. You protect yourself. Don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt. The days of the benefit of the doubt are over. They're over, especially for women. I'm talking to you. Don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt. Your life is too important. You're important. Now, Colorado police are searching for a 21-year-old man suspected of murdering his ex-girlfriend's twin sister. We have that coming up. But I want to tell you about a short story I wrote called Haunted Pussycat. That is right now. Actually, if you go to Spotify, you can get it on the podcast of Spotify. If you get this podcast in another app like Amazon or Google, it doesn't play the video, but you hear the audio of it. The video is important because all the artwork in that was generated by computer AI. And computer AI, when it generates artwork, is quite horrific. And I, I thought, you know, with a horror story, this is a short horror story, and computer AI doing it, doing the 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 uh, pictures for it, I'm like, oh, man, this, this is going to be something. And I think it turned out really well. Let me know what you think. It's on YouTube also. Though. I'll put a link to it in the show notes for this particular episode. So you're going to want to check that out. Going back to the story. It's horrific, no doubt. Let me see. I think I got some footage of here. I really should. This is one of those that kind of takes your breath away. All right. Colorado police are reportedly searching for a man suspected of murdering his ex-girlfriend's twin sister and three others last weekend. The suspect, since identified as 21-year-old Joseph Castorina, is accused of shooting his ex-girlfriend's twin sister, 22-year-old Maria Anita Serino. Her husband, 20-year-old Kenneth Lagoon, the twins' father, 51-year-old Jesus Serino, and another male who happened to be living in a rented RV on the family's property on Aurora, Colorado. According to the doorbell video, which you're going to be able to get in the link in the show notes, Castorino was recorded outside the Aurora home of the victims both before and after the murders. Reports claim the 21-year-old is expected of breaking into the home and waiting for the family to return from a party they were all attending earlier in the night. When they eventually returned to the property, he allegedly shot all four victims before fleeing from the scene on foot. They're still trying to capture this man. When they eventually returned to the party, he shot all four victims. Even more startling is the fact that one witness claimed Castorino's ex-girlfriend would have also been killed, but the suspect reportedly ran out of ammunition before he could pull the trigger on his last victim. So he didn't kill his ex-girlfriend, 
but she saw him kill everybody. The suspect's ex-girlfriend, his twin sister, and the twin's father also reportedly filed for orders of protection against Castorino in the days leading up to the murders. Castorino is now wanted for at least four counts of first-degree murder and is considered armed and extremely dangerous. I'm telling you right now, he did this knowing he'd probably get caught, no doubt in his mind, especially when his last victim wasn't murdered and he didn't have the guts to do it any other way because he ran out of ammunition, right? So he's a coward, which means he's highly dangerous. He might commit suicide if he hasn't already. But he might be too much of a coward to commit suicide, which would be good in this case. If you know where this coward is, the phone number to call is 1-800-913-7867. That is for Metro Denver Crime Stoppers. That is 1-800-913-7867. There'll be a link to all this information in the show notes. Now, did you know about this? I'll talk about it on the flip side. The case of JonBenet Ramsey continues to be one of the most high-profile murder mysteries in the nation, and one that still has her family seeking justice and pushing investigators, DNA experts, and government officials to come together and use cutting-edge DNA technology to find answers in this case. There's evidence that's never been tested for DNA, uh, has never been sampled for DNA. Um, and the, the latest technology needs to be employed. The frustration of searching for his daughter's killer is still painful for John Ramsey, who tells me he is preparing to submit a petition with over 17,000 signatures to Colorado Governor Jared Polis next week to put DNA testing decisions in the hands of a new agency outside the Boulder Police Department. The latest technology exists in the Parabon Labs and the Authors and those really cutting edge laboratories that are using state-of-the-art techniques uh, to analyze DNA samples. That's where this needs to go. If government officials do not respond after the petition is submitted, Ramsey says he will absolutely seek legal action. Investigative genetic genealogy could be the answer to finally solving this decades-old case that has haunted the family of JonBenet Ramsey, who was just six years old when she was found murdered inside her family's Boulder, Colorado home the day after Christmas in 1996. That means that we can detect DNA on things that they never would have imagined. Touch DNA, uh, saliva that was not uh, found previously. So there are new technologies that are able to extract out that DNA from clothing, from rope, from many different types of material that just didn't exist before. Genetic genealogist Cece Moore telling Fox this week she thinks the case could be solved within hours under certain circumstances if the Boulder police would allow labs like hers to have access to the DNA in the case. It could help track down a family member of a suspect and that could lead investigators to her killer. We've been doing this the last four years. We've been able to help solve, on average, one crime per week using this technology. JonBenet's family says they hope keeping the pressure on will bring them the same results. We're not going to let this case end up in a dusty file cabinet in the Boulder Police Department. That's not acceptable. 
The Boulder police telling Fox this is still an active and ongoing investigation. And the department meets with multiple entities on a regular basis, including private labs and the FBI. A spokesperson for the Colorado governor's office said they have no update at this time. First of all, John Benet Ramsey's father, I feel like I'm having a Mandela effect moment. I remember hearing in the news, Patsy Ramsey, John Benet's mother, died. But also, I heard that John Benet's father died. Do you guys remember that? Or is it just me? Maybe I'm. I don't know. I, re- I remember hearing this and I thought, well, that's horrible. They both died and they're never going to be able to find out who murdered their daughter. He's not dead. Do you guys remember this being reported in the news? I want to know. Let me know. You can email me at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com or you can call at 325-261-0892 and leave me a voicemail message. Did you guys remember Jabane's father being reported that he died? Do you remember that? Do you remember the case of a of a Paris girl 12 found dead in a suitcase? We're going to talk about that next week. But they found a young homeless woman is the one that murdered her. So Report on that next time. Have you ever heard of Lord Lucan? The hunt continues 48 after the 48 years after the nanny murder. There's a facial recognition expert that claims that an 87-year-old man in Australia is a British peer who disappeared. The late Daily Mirror journalist Garth Gibbs, who died in 2011, used to claim his most spectacular success in journalism was not finding Lord Lucan. I've successfully not found him in more exotic spots than anyone else in the world, he recounted. I spent three glorious weeks not finding him in Cape Town, magical days and nights not finding him in the Black Mountains of Wells, and wonderful and successful short breaks not finding him in Manchu either, or in Hong Kong, or even in Green Turtle Cay in the Bahamas where you can find anyone. Once again, the hunt is on for the man who murdered his family's nanny, Sandra Rivette, in Belgravia, London, on 7th of November 1974, and then disappeared. It is now being claimed he could be an 87-year-old man living in a Buddhist community in Australia. Now, the evidence comes from the facial recognition expert, Professor Hussain Ugel of Bradford University, it's him. He is quoted as saying the Daily Mirror, that isn't an opinion, it's a fact. So they're using facial recognition software. They got video of this man and they looked looked at it and they say it, it was definitely him. Matter of fact, if we could see the picture of him, we might be able to agree with it. There's going to be a link to this and all the rest of the stories today in the show notes of the podcast that you're listening to, or if you're listening to it live at midnightrad.io, then check out the podcast links. We're available in all your favorite podcatchers. 
like to thank you for joining me once again. Until next time, God bless.